You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And you insult on his own to beat live. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. It's Ross Martin, Adam Smith, producer John, rocking the Carolina Blue cookout shirt. right out the gate what is up with these backhaul locker room issues these last couple games for north carolina basketball wake forest added a layer of what in the world is going on to it you're taking and adam's take and we'll get right in on the beat live sponsored by johnny t-shirt johnny t-shirt.com yeah i mean um little Behind the scenes, you know, we were waiting for after the loss to Wake Forest, where they were down 26, ended up, you know, making a single digit game there late. But I mean, that game was over at halftime. Um, Huber Davis Davis kept the team in the locker room for 20, it was what 37 minutes we calculated, gotten there around 9 15, didn't come out until you know 9 50 something plus. Um, it was weird, man. We're just waiting, and you know, it was uh. You know, would love love to have been a fly on the wall in there, but um, kind of a heart to heart, come to Jesus type moment. I imagine you know you're either in, you're out situation, lying in the sand, and uh, kind of we'll see what happens against Clemson on uh on Saturday. That's we'll see if it was effective or not. Yeah, I guess uh, you know it, it sort of reminded me of back in 2010 the LSU situation and folks that are old enough to remember that we'll know what I'm talking about when Baycott said we'll find out on Thursday I was wondering where we gonna get a uh, message board update thread who who parked in the Smith Center parking lot and walked in Adam uh, <laughs> I just find it hard to believe that we're here um, where we are 10 months after where they were um, but yeah your take on what went down the, the game we'll talk about the game that was a butt kicking is what it was when it mattered um but yeah, the the aftermath. I mean, it was something. Uh, you know, um, I, I randomly I wrote all about it. Well, we all wrote all about it, but I tried to set the whole scene. You know, uh, Tuesday night, and I randomly saw a message board poster saying, 
Like, how do they know they were in there for 37 minutes? How does he know that Hubert Davis falls for 13 seconds? Is, does this writer have an agenda? And uh, I was like, I was very tired because I hadn't slept. And I almost clapped back, uh, which, as you know, I try to be a nice guy. I almost clapped back like, you've got to be freaking kidding me, asking me if there's an agenda when we actually time this stuff. Like, the agenda is to report accurate and informative information and take you there. We're literally standing outside the locker room door for 40 minutes. I mean, anyway, uh, you know, like, and not to get too off topic here, I was thinking about it. I, I told Ross, um, maybe it's something about Joel Coliseum in Winston-Salem because I distinctly remember in my previous job covering a Wake Forest there, game there one random uh, December, and they played Xavier, and it was a Xavier team coached by Chris Mack. And – uh, Wake Forest beat them. It was a great win for Wake Forest in that moment. And Chris Mack kept Xavier in that locker room for like an hour and 15 minutes. It was unbelievable. And there were like two writers from the Cincinnati area there. Um, and they were like, they had no idea what to do because they didn't come out. They did not come out. I guess they were staying in Winston that night before traveling. So um, maybe it's something about the Joel. The great thing about the setup at Wake is the press room where you work I mean, you could take five steps out of the press room and be in the visiting locker room. I mean, you are right there. You end up, you know, seeing people, seeing interesting interactions and things like that, you know. Um, so we were waiting. And to get back to what you asked, Tommy, I mean, you know, I asked R.J. Davis because he's a guy. You, you can ask R.J., you can ask Armando, and they will tell you. Um, had it been building to this moment? And R.J. said, yeah, I think it had. Um, you know, sort of like, I think we needed to clear the air. Whether that means they're ever going to be able to play what you feel like the potential of this team is, I don't know. But it seems like it all came to a head uh, in Winston the other night, and they sat down and they talked about it. And Armando offered it up. He said it was a very quiet locker room. It wasn't like somebody was screaming and pointing and calling somebody out, although they, I thought Armando did call everybody out uh, in his own way. Go ahead, Ross. Yeah, I mean, I was just saying, yeah, I think his team lacks a little leadership, so maybe we saw a little leadership from Omondo and Caleb or RJ. Um, I, I just think you, you see this team um, on the court. It, it lacks a little leadership. You know, I think it – I don't know. I've sensed that a little bit. You know, Caleb and RJ don't seem like the most – I think RJ should be the, the one of the leaders of this team. But it's just um, – I think that's one of the big issues. So maybe – of this this locker room meeting maybe def defined some roles of leadership and, and got everybody on the same page i mean the big thing they stressed a couple things coming out of that out of the locker room you can kind of just tell what the talking points were from hubert davis they mentioned there's seven games left i'm not sure every player knew that but that was obviously stressed in like i didn't i didn't i haven't counted it out yet, but they mentioned that several times they stressed the lack of fight and competitiveness so i think that was kind of that was obvious coming out in the first half so you could tell some of there was definitely some um themes coming out of that meeting and i was this is what i ran away for i have the room where it happened that's right i have the locker room and lawrence joel this is where it is and I, it's the one of a kind so I'll, i might sell these on ebay or something here's the coach's locker room lvm and the Man, player's Ross locker is, room i Ross stole like them He's stealing the silverware and everything. Yeah, I mean, this is one of a kind. If, you just tell if they, win, they don't need them anymore. If they win a national championship, these are going to be high dollar. Um, it would be autographed. So.
How are they going to win the national championship if they don't get in the tournament, Ross? No, I'm playing. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, that's a definite. Uh, that's a definite question at this point. Uh, you know, Greg Barnes wrote about it, and they've certainly backed themselves into it. Fun fact about Lawrence Joel, you were talking about it, Adam. So we go there for the Wake Forest game, and we tailgate um, there at Lawrence Joel. And one of our tailgate crowd, he's former JV player at Carolina, he has a basketball. And he's like, I'm going to go see if the door's unlocked. <laughs> so we go in there, and we shoot ball in there. So I know that you can hit three-pointers on that basket. <laughs> I hit Tell one. Tommy. Yeah, they hit a bunch. Those guys, I mean, I, I started thinking about my tailgate buddies like, put them in, coach. They will make some threes repeatedly. Uh, but anyway, it is a um, – let, let's talk about that. And, and, John B., I want you to get in here as well, is that they're 15-9, and 7-6. and six. Clemson's coming to town. Clemson's trying to start or, or continue their streak in the Smith Center. And Carolina can't lose any more games. Uh, I mean, are, are we at that point, Ross, that Carolina is in this situation to their own doing? That's the one takeaway I had from the press conferences is this is all on them. This is all on Hubert Davis. But can they afford to continue to do this or the season will be over in seven games? Virtually, Adams, your your net and your your in and out uh, Lunardi, what's this Lunardi guy? But we can just go through the schedule. I, I think they there are they could probably have to win five out of seven. I think, right, Adam? What do you think about that? Yeah, I thought that I I personally thought that the going into the last eight, including the Wake Forest game, I felt like they needed to go six and two to feel comfortable. Um, you know, like. I think you have to win at Notre Dame. You have to win at FSU. I mean, you can't lose those games. And then those would be bad. Those would be bad losses, right? Those would be really bad losses. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And then you have. I mean, here's a, we we've, we said it earlier on a thing Ross and I did earlier today for television. Um, you know, the bad news is UNC is in this position where Lenardi has them right now. Lenardi has them as for the last four in. So they'd be going to Dayton if the tournament started today by Joe Lenardi's predictions. Um, that's the bad news. The good news born. is they, Homecoming. they get themselves out of this situation by winning games, but they have to win these games. I mean, I think if you take it just as the next three, Clemson, Miami, and NC State, I mean, I think you got to go 3-0 and or 2-1. and I mean, you have to win two of those three. I think if you go one and two or zero and three, you're done. Um, yes. So, so look at the ahead. schedule: Clemson and Miami at home. Like they've played pretty well at home. Those would be two solid wins. So winning the next two is is critical. Then it's State on a Sunday, which is odd. And that's a tough game. I don't think UNC will be favored. I think the Wolfpack will be favored. They're playing really well right now. Um, so that's a tough game. Uh, then it's Notre Dame on the road. Then it's home versus Virginia, number eight team in the nation, away at Florida State on a Monday. So it's a Saturday, Monday, Virginia to Florida State. And then it's home versus Duke. On paper, I think the toughest games, I would say, is at NC State and home versus Virginia. Do you all agree with that? At NC State will be a quad one game probably. Um, On the road, which Carolina doesn't have many quality road wins, they still only have the one quad one win in the net. Uh, that's, that's still getting, Ohio State, isn't it? It's getting dicier by the day. I, you know how many games Ohio State has won since New Year's? Like two. One game. 
Um, the Michigan win is getting better because Michigan's playing better. Um, but that NC State game will be a quad one game. It'll be on the road, and uh, it'll be insane. But, I mean, you got – again, you got to beat Clemson. Clemson's tied for first in the ACC. I mean, the computers don't like Clemson, but they're 10-3 and three in the dang league. Uh, Miami might be the best. Miami and Virginia might be the two best teams. You got Miami coming in on a, like Ross said, a Saturday to Monday, Saturday to big Monday turnaround. I mean, those aren't going to be easy for a Carolina team that looks like it doesn't have any energy. I mean, anyway, John hasn't spoken. Go ahead, John. Give us your knowledge. Let's, well, get, John's, let's get John's take on like what happened to Wake Forest. Your thoughts kind of observing from a little farther out. I, I don't know if you want that that take, Ross. You said you this, had some fire takes. This is a John's family, talk, this talks is a big talk friendly, on Slack. Family-friendly show here. Here's my, my big takeaway from what, what transpired on, on Tuesday. It's one thing to have a private meeting, to have a 37-minute private meeting in the locker room. But I really found it odd how it still kind of seeped out into the it felt like part of the meeting was happening with the media and it was kind of like the the press conference was sort of like an outlet for frustration and and that to me was really odd i mean hubert davis started out the press conference by saying you know i want i want to be respectful of what was said in the locker room you know i i talk with my team but even hubert davis who without you know without fails is very protective of his players made a comment about how when I'm talking to my players, I'm talking to 30 or 40 people, mm-hmm. I'm talking to trainers, I'm talking to coaches, uh, to shooting coaches. I forget exactly what he said. Agents. Um, and, he said I, agents. Yeah, agents. I just guys. found that I mean... really odd to me. And, and Armando as well. I mean, it's one thing to call out fans or to call out, you know, a really obtuse character like the media to say, you know, I, I disagree with what the media is saying. But he called out his teammates in a really direct way. He said, if you don't want to be here on Thursday, don't show up. That's really direct. And there's only 15 or 16 guys on the team. So, I mean, who is he talking about? There's only so many people who he could be talking about. That was, to me, almost more telling than the 37 minutes or the fact of what happened in the first half of that game. It's like they don't have the answers, so they're kind of, looking almost to the media, looking for the press conference as a forum to share their thoughts because they, they don't have the answers themselves. I thought there was a lot of tongue biting in, in those comments. I mean, Armando said, I wish I could tell you, but I don't know. Hubert Davis, quiet for how long did you say, Adam? 13 seconds or something? It's a 13-second pause and a 10-second pause, and I have no agenda telling you that. I'm yeah. just telling you for inf- informative purposes. I think you, I personally think you slowed that video down on purpose. <laughs> Go uh, and watch on IC. That's what I did. <laughs> it's long, yeah, it's such a long pause. He's, that That is – Hubert's weird in press conferences. But that is that mind saying, can I say this? Nope, I'm not going to say that. Can I, what about – no, let's not say that. And he's, he's good at his words carefully. Exactly. And he's good about not doing the, um, this and, um, that he just goes silent. And, and so to his credit, but I felt like I almost wanted to see, say it. I wanted to see players say it, get it out there. You know, if you, if you're frustrated with certain teammates, say it, I get keeping stuff in the locker room and all that stuff, but I kind of wanted to see Hubert Davis come out and just blister some things. And he, he sort of held it back. So that's why it's going to be interesting to see how it translates 
to Clemson on Saturday um, because Clemson doesn't give a damn about Carolina's issues. Brad Brownell certainly doesn't. They're going to come in wanting to punch people in the mouth. Ross, you said Hubert's a little weird in press conferences. Is he – and I don't disagree, and he's still getting used to it, but is he – too nice in the press conferences, maybe. Yeah, I, mean, I think he had a great point about – I think he needs to be a little – I think fans would appreciate a little more anger and fire coming out of that game. Um, I think you're right. He did help back. I thought John was uh, really good about uh, pointing out that comment about the, the 30, 40 voices. I'm going to read it here because that stood out to me. This was actually my question, I believe, not to brag. Um, <laughs> I think I've said that before. Uh, that every time that I speak to the team, I'm speaking to 30 or 40 voices, 30 to 40 voices. They're not just a team. The voices of families, the voices of friends, the voices of phones, the voices of agents, the voices of workout guys. Uh, that's why I tell them, turn down the noise from the phone, the family, and the friends. That's why I give them Bible verses, Proverbs 4.25, and tell them ignore all sides, show distractions, and keep your eyes straight ahead. I mean, he uses that that Proverbs thing, you know, once a week, it seems, but we've never heard him. I mean, it seems like for him to say that, it seems like these outside voices are are an issue, whether it be NIL stuff, agent stuff. I mean, Baycott is releasing NIL stuff, it seems, every week. Um, family, I don't know, playing time, who knows what it is. But that was a an interesting comment from Hubert, a glimpse into maybe some outside issues affecting chemistry, focus, whatever it is. They're also will- like, what did you say? I, I sorry, you can finish your point. Well, also, I was gonna say, man, it was so serious after the wake. <laughs> I mean, it was deadly serious after the game, and I was like, man, this is a game. This is a game. I know a lot of money's at stake. You know, a lot of people. I mean, people's jobs are at stake. A lot of people's well-being is at stake. But it was just like so serious, and I was like, man, this is a rubber ball, leather ball we're putting in a rim. Um, it's just kind of funny taking a step back about how deathly serious it was at Wake Forest. Yeah, I was going to make two follow-up points there about Hubert. I, I do think one contrast I saw in, in Hubert's press conference, it was a very sad press conference that he gave after the game. He looked very sad. But I want, one contrast I saw from his press conference versus Roy's press conference, Roy Williams would always say, I did not do a good job coaching this team tonight. That was one of his core lines. He took really hard the losses, but he took it hard because he thought he failed his team. And I think that kind of leads into my second point, which is I think Hubert, the coach is really failing right now in a couple of different ways, kind of Hubert, the, the motivator and Hubert, the, the, the man who's leading this basketball team, because I think some of Hubert's coaching decisions are really hampering this team in a few different ways. We've talked all season long, about the bench and the lack uh, of development of the bench. Um, you know, I think that really stood out uh, against Wake Forest uh, on Tuesday. And I, I think that's one of the, the larger themes. In order to get back on track for the rest of the season, to win out, to make the NCAA tournament, whatever you need to do, you have to fix the offense and you have to kind of fix the lineups and, and the shots that are being taken to get this team back on track. What are some hey, more buddy. issues you have with this coaching, John? Well, my main, my main, I was looking into this. First of all, non-garbage time offensive efficiency this season. UNC's two 
lowest games have come in their last two games. Wake was the lowest of the season. Duke was the second lowest of the season. It shows whatever is happening with the offense, it's not working right now. It's broken. Um, and I, I think that's a, a big issue that needs to be fixed. And I think you fix it by adjusting who is playing and who's taking shots. So obviously, easy for me to say sitting here. But I think that's been a, a real theme this season for sure. Just you to know. jump in on that. Sorry, Tommy. No, go ahead. It just occurred to me when when John was talking about, you know, Roy, and he is absolutely right. Roy would come in there misty-eyed, red-faced, and start saying, I didn't have them prepared, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, it was like you could set your watch to it. Um, I just think that's generational. I mean, I'm not trying to disagree with John, who I love to death uh, as a younger brother or cousin, but I just think it's <laughs> generational. I think that's how Roy came up in the coaching business is, like, you sort of did that. You know, you went in there – and that's what you did. You know, like, I just think that, that his era of guy, you know, did that crap. Uh, I just think Hubert's different than that. I personally, I, I think Hubert is fine in press conferences. I think he's gotten a lot better. Um, I feel like this season, I feel like in terms of just being a reporter and wanting stuff to write or post or create, I feel like he gives us plenty of stuff. Um, you know, I don't feel like he's, Hi, you can't just come out there and name names. You know, you can't say, oh, Caleb's shooting too much. RJ's too small. You know, you know, Leaky sucks on offense. You can't do – you just can't do that. Um, I, I feel like – maybe I'm too close to it. I don't know. I feel like Hubert gives us plenty without giving away all the stuff. I've covered plenty of coaches who are boring as hell. You know, just all – I mean, Herb Sendak, God bless him. Like, come on. He sucked. <laughs> I mean, you know, he was terrible to cover. I mean, he was a weirdo. You want to talk about weirdos, he was a weirdo. He would get on the hot seat every year around this time. You get on the ACC teleconference, and Coach K would defend him because Coach K would always beat his butt, so he wanted Herb to stay around. <laughs> and then you'd go and you'd say, Herb, oh, Coach K is, has, you know, come to your defense here. Yeah, uh, how does that make you feel that the fraternity of coaches is blah, blah, blah. And Herb, oh, thank you. That I, I appreciate that. Thank you. I mean, Herb was a damn weirdo. I mean, I don't know if Hubert's a weirdo. Hubert is just Hubert, you know? He's Hubert the Boy Scout. Um, so, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. I just, I just, uh, you know, it was quite, Ross is right. It was quite serious. But, and, and I mean, you got to listen to this stuff. Like RJ said, yeah, we got some chemistry problems. I mean, they said it. You know, you don't have to like shout it, hold up a sign like Ross is doing. They said it. You know, we said Hubert was asked uh, that Armando said the team chemistry could be better. Hubert said, I agree with Armando. Like, you know, this is where we are, uh, strangely enough. I'll say this. I mean, making shots helps chemistry. I mean, it, it, yeah. they're missing they're missing shots. They're not making threes. They're not they, – they shot a little bit better against uh, Wake Forest because they scored so much. They scored 60 points in the second half. I don't people realize that. But they finished right. 40, 40, you got it right in front of me, 40.5% for the game. But before that, against Pitt and Duke, they're right around 34% from the field. They're not making threes. I mean, all of Caleb's threes came in junk time pretty much. Um, they didn't make a three in the first half. I mean, it's the whole Roy thing. Like, you know, everything looks better. The ball goes in the hoop. And right now, their offense is stagnant. They're not getting any easy transition points. That's what. I, you know, I became a, you know, I grew up watching Roy Williams teams, you know, when I was in high school and college and, and they always scored easy baskets and transition. 
And for some reason, Hubert does – I don't think Hubert stresses that in his offense. I don't know why. But they don't, they don't push the ball. They don't try to get it. They have the athletes, um, and they're just not making threes. I think that's, a, that's just a very easy, basic issue with the team. Everything will be better. I mean, look, you make a couple shots against Duke, you win. Right. Make a couple shots against Pitt, you win. And then and we're not here bash this team. I mean, playing at Wake is hard. But the, the two losses against Pitt are going to come back and bite them. And the Duke game was for the taking because many people said that this is not a really good Duke team. They got down to Miami and got wolfed two days later. Totally concur with what a- Ross is, totally concur with what Ross has said. Because I mean, I was gonna say exact same thing is that if one of those RJ Davis threes, he missed all six of them. I think he was three for fifteen from the field against Pitt. If one of those shots goes in, they beat Pitt. Just one. You know, they held Duke to 63 points at in Cameron. I mean, the last two games in Cameron, UNC Duke were played in the high eighties and low nineties. Uh you, if you said you're going to hold Duke to 63 points on its home court in the first Duke-Carolina game when you know the energy is through the roof, you would take that every time. Carolina didn't score for the last four minutes of the dang game. They went scoreless. It was 57 all. Hell, Leakey took a three right in front of me and Ross um, that would have put them up one late. I think a minute five left. They still had a chance even though they hadn't scored. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of crazy that, that, you know, those two, the Pitt and Duke game, they easily could have won. And this could have been their first loss. They could have been on a six-game winning streak going into Wake. Um, but Wake was a debacle. Isn't that the frustrating thing, though, is that, yeah, if they'd have made one more shot, well, the, the converse of that is if they would have had one more defensive stop, they'd have won. You know, if, if they wouldn't have let, you know, Burton do exactly what he wanted to at the end of that game, if they wouldn't have allowed, you know, Jeremy Roach to waltz down the lane. I mean, making shots, yes. Roy Williams, 100% right. It all looks better when it goes in the basket. But when it's not going in the basket, you got to be locked in completely on defense. And that, watching this team, and that's what – that's the Wake Forest issue, right, is is that they had opportunities to win in spite of shooting so poorly, and they let those opportunities get away. I, I will say this about the postgame. Whatever, on you know, I get it. Uh, and I'm not a huge fan of Bob Knight at all. But if y'all have not listened to Bob Knight talk about uh, donkeys and the bench, you need to go find that clip because I think that would have a lot to do with sort of cleaning what we're seeing up with North Carolina. But Armando Baycott flat out said to you guys in the hallway, it is on us. It is on me, Armando, Caleb, RJ, and Leakey to get it turned around because the freshmen don't know what they're doing. You know, they're still freshmen, the guys that don't play much, and Pete wasn't around. And that is 100% right. And it starts with those guys. Leakey's been there for five years. Armando's been there for four years. Caleb and RJ for three. There is no excuse for those guys to have the struggles that they've had. People were referencing the layup. I talked about it in the postgame. That still in layup summed up the entire season, I felt like where he, all he had to do was you, you get a dunk, you get a breakout, and, and you just don't go as hard as you can. And Appleby blocks you or, or slaps the ball out of your hand, you missed the foul shots. That's it. Ball game. And you knew he was going to miss them too. You knew. No question about it. And that right there changed the entire game. You talk about one play, that summed it up for me. He didn't know Appleby was back there. He didn't know he was back there. They were coming right to us. Ross and I were sitting in the end zone. They were coming right to us. He didn't know Appleby was back there. He shouldn't have coasted, but he was coasting, you know, to try to get his steps right. It's leaky. He doesn't want to dribble off his leg. 
and you could see it coming from a mile away. He looked over his shoulder, I think, twice and looked the wrong way both times. Appleby hid. It was perfect for Appleby. And the, the rule of basketball is if there's not five guys in front of you, there's one behind you, and there were none in front of him. So, and I told Ross, every Carolina fan just fell off their couch. Like, you know, you could just feel it happen. I was like, every Carolina fan just lost their crap. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, anyway, go ahead. And to, and to Slagle's point, it is absolutely 100% on Hubert Davis for allowing it to continue to happen. And that's why I referenced the Bob Knight bench conversation. I mean – Bench these guys. You know, somebody plays terrible or, or makes bad choices or, or jacks up bad shots, sit them down. People have more respect for you if they're disciplined, if you discipline them fairly than letting them run wild. And I'm not saying these players are running wild, but there is, there is no – the bench is a great motivator with this crowd. And there hadn't been all year, quite frankly, last year either. And I think that is a big deal why they're here – where they are right now, um, make or miss in shots, be damned with it. Let's talk about Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Come back, get the rest of the comments. Sponsors Inside Carolina, Inside Carolina and sponsors of this show and great friends of Inside Carolina Premium subscribers. Get your 10% off your order. Get all the jerseys you want. Baseball season is upon us. Starts next week. We'll be having some Inside Carolina coverage of that. They've got the baseball jerseys. All the swag you need, uh, shirts. It's not sweatshirt season anymore, but they still got them, and they certainly got every T-shirt you could ever imagine. Johnny T-shirt on Franklin Street or JohnnyT-shirt.com online. National guys pay the bills. It's on the beat live. Ross Martin, Adam Smith, John Bowman. I'm Tommy Ashley. Be right back. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, guys, we're back. Looking forward. Can I jump we, in on one thing on what you said, Tommy? Yeah, 100%. Uh, with the bench being a motivator, I'm not sure this might lead into some conversation about lineups, but I, mean, I don't think he really trusts you know, his bench. And you, you kind of roll guys out there like, hey, who's going to score here? Like, you know, to Tyler Nickel, you think, you know, he hasn't played enough. You think he can maybe a shooter, but Seth Trimble doesn't. Seth Trimble doesn't um, score. Um, you know, Puff's not some explosive scorer. Yeah, Jalen Washington. I mean, it seems like whenever he comes in, he hits a jumper, but he, he's not playing much. Um, it's just a, there's there's no real scores on the um, on, on the bench. I think Seth Trimble could have done some better defense on on Appleby maybe. Um, but yeah, the, the Wake Forest game was a complete failure without question. Bench included. Question for john and tommy like because and i was mentioning it like the angle sometimes the angles ross and i have aren't the greatest the angle at syracuse was not great either although i was glad we were close to the court 
But as you guys watched the weight game, it seemed to me, we wrote about it, they could not keep Appleby out of the lane. Like, what is the deal with the pick and roll defense? Um, they were playing like, drop coverage. It just seems game. like that is just such – I mean, it's, it's all these problems. You can't make any shots. They're shooting below 40% the last three games, whatever. But, like, it just seems like the pick and roll coverage is – I don't know what they're doing. Um, and they – I just felt like Appleby sliced them up um, the other night. Self, I mean, yeah, you, well, you definitely did. Well, the, the issue there is, you know, and Dewey and Justin Jackson have broken it down on these shows is – if you're not going to commit to forcing him out and allow him to turn the corner there, especially when they're playing drop, and this is where Jalen Washington was completely lost, is that if you're going to allow him to turn the corner on the ball screen and your big is going to drop into the lane, then all he's got to do is either hit a little floater or, or find somebody rolling to the basket, and they just don't commit to it, and there's no rim protector, and what they do – the guard, whether it's RJ or Caleb or whoever, just dies on the screen, as Taylor put it. It just literally, you know, if it were a morph thing, it, they just blend into the screen and just, you know, there's four guys. And it puts Baycott in a bad position. So I don't know if there's a way to change how they defend it, um, but I think it has a ton to do with being, you know, with being engaged defensively. And staying with your man and not allow yourself to get picked so easily. I mean, Carolina runs ball screens all day. Do they get open looks like that? You know? Right. They get Caleb Love at the end of the shot clock, you know? Pounding uh, it into the into the into the wood and then getting a step back. So, so Turner Whitfield in the chat mentioned throw in some traps and, and do some certain things. I think too part of the issue on, on defense is, is the help side defense. So you have to be coordinated when you are running your you know, pick and roll coverage, you have to have people helping from the right spots. You have, have to have people who are able to slide into the lane and, and support defensively. And uh, Trevor Marks has, has tweeted about this, so I'm kind of stealing his point here. But there's been a lot of bad positioning, not just guarding ball screens, but also the people helping off. And they're not helping the right places. Their eyes aren't in the right place. So they're allowing easy baskets. I think that's another big piece of, of the defensive picture here, too. It's not just point of attack defense. It's also it, the guys behind what did, Je- what did Jeremy Roach say on the last right. play for Duke? We knew they were going to talk. We knew they weren't, yeah, we, we we weren't going to talk. Right. And that is mind-blowing at this level. Because you go and watch any basketball game in person, whether it's a high school gym or AAU gym, there is constant talking. And Jeremy Roach said, we knew they weren't going to talk on defense. And daggone if they didn't prove him right. Go ahead, Ross. Yeah, I mean, obviously the opposing teams, opposing coaches and, and scout team are, are seeing that the screen game works and they're going to it and they're going to do it until you stop it. And so that goes on to kind of coaching for UNC. Like, they're not talking. Like, get the team to talk. Like, what what happens when they – got to work these, the screen defense – Whatever they're doing, that's this slice and dice in you. My huge X and O's guys, but obviously teams are seeing what works against UNC's defense, going to it, isolating it, and hitting it until they stop it. And, and UNC couldn't stop it. I think also the size of Wake Forest guards clearly bothered RJ Davis. I mean, he was helpless at times against uh, Hildreth, Monsanto. Those, those, you know, kind of six four, six five guards. Um, we haven't seen that as much, but um, yeah, I mean. It, Talk about offense. The defense was was 
defense was probably even worse against Wake than the offense was. Yeah, yeah. Tommy mentioned maybe press a little bit, which I would be I, – I mean, I'm not a coach, but I would be fine with that just to shake some stuff up. But they showed they showed a little uh, full-court, three-quarter court trap at Wake, and what happened? Monsanto buried a three immediately. I looked over at Ross. I was like, that's how you uh, break a press. <laughs> like, there's your press break offense. Um, you know, like there was no energy in that, you know. Now you could – uh, you know, I've seen that we appreciate the comments too, by the way, everybody's chiming in over here. Like, you know, good. Stuff. I don't know that I've ever posted a comment over there. I don't know if I know how to, but you got to uh, go to your YouTube and then post as, as like Ab Smith is what I do. I appreciate everybody over there. Um, but I mean, why not bring in, why not bring in the bench mob like Puff, Trimble, Dunn, DeMarco Dunn, uh, guys like that. Heck, Justin McCoy, even though I'm not a huge Justin McCoy fan, just to press a little bit. You know, I mean, just to mix it up a little bit, give give these guys that play 35 minutes a game a blow, press for two or three minutes. I mean, who knows? It might get you beat. I don't know. But it, it might be a way to scramble some things up a little bit and, you know, just keep the energy going. I'll, 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 let me throw this up here. Hold on a second. Power swish. UVA has trouble with a little, little trouble with a little point guard. Uh, UVA's defense is completely different. The pack line defense doesn't allow – that type stuff on the inside and Clark Kihei Clark is also like 25 years old. So he's dealt with it all the time, but Virginia's defense completely different. It's not, it's not really relevant to the discussion here though. I'd agree their process and their scheme makes it less of an issue for a smaller point guard. Go ahead, John. Sorry. No, you're fine. I was going to go back to the, the bench point that Adam was making and also Ross that you were making. Ross, you said, you know, you have the bench options coming on and you don't know where you're going to get scoring. We are three-fourths of the way through the season. The job of a coach is to understand what the bench guys are good at and then put them in positions to where you can have them succeed. And all of the bench guys have different strengths. I think they're all relatively talented. Puff, DeMarco Dunn, Tyler Nickel, Jalen Washington, Seth Trimble. So that is on coaching, in my opinion, if you can't find any options on your bench to where we can't find any scoring. That is a great comment there. I, Screenshot I that for me, Ross. I I Man, you should not be allowed to have uh, besties posted in the, the program. Fill the program, Brant. And, 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 and a cat guy. <laughs> tapping in, BWN. Sorry, John. They're messing with you. They're messing up your flow. I agree. No. But continue no, I, with it. I, I'll answer this question too from, from Anthony and which bench players strength right. scoring. I think Jalen Washington is is a good score. I think he can provide scoring from the post option. I think Tyler Nickel, Puff Johnson, and DeMarco Dunn are all relatively good three point shooters. Maybe this goes a little bit back to not having a point guard who can get them the ball in the right spots. But I think those three guys could provide shooting from the bench. So, again, the job of a coach is to structure lineups that you have. Okay, maybe we have Puff, DeMarco, and, and, and Tyler out there. RJ's running point, and his job is to run a lot of ball screens and generate open shots from three-point line from, from some of those bench guys. So, uh, yeah, I agree, John. I think this kind of goes back to, I think, a point you made two weeks ago that, you know, Coaching staff maybe should have played some of these guys a little bit more in the earlier in the season against some lesser opponents. Now they struggled at times against some lesser opponents, but 
you know, so they get more comfortable. So you, you by this point, you have like Roy Williams used to always say they're not freshmen anymore by this point of the season because they played so many games. So, you know, I know Jalen Washington was injured, but Tyler Nickel, Seth Trimble, um, who DeMarco Dunn, like play them more at the end of the season. So when they when it comes time for the ACC play, they can give you 10, 15 minutes and be productive. Um, I would love to see Puff Johnson play more. I think when he's on the court, good things tend to happen. He's long. He can score. He's crafty. I think he can defend well for his size. I think he plays with energy. He gets his nose in there. Um, you know, I think against Duke, when he came in the second half, UNC played well, and he's that versatile defender that can guard a smaller guy when Nance can't. And, you know, Puff's a 6'7", 6'8", too. It's kind of that stretch four. I would love to see Puff play more. I think that um, would that would be my my coaching move. Um, split Nance and Puff, like split them 50-50 almost. Here's the thing with Jalen Washington, which I think Jalen Washington is going to be a good player at UNC. And coincidentally enough, when we were up at UVA last month, uh, the uh, NBA scout uh, who was sitting beside me said Jalen Washington was the best pro prospect on UNC's team. Now, this was before he had that game against Virginia, which was, I guess, his career game. Out of, what do you have, 13? Something like that. Um, I th- With Jalen Washington, he's slow. I mean, I know Armando is not a track star, but, I mean, I think the reason he had that big game against UVA is because it was a half-court, grinded-out, possession-by-possession game. Um, you know, he, he, he is slow. I think that's one of his uh, weaknesses is that – does not get up and down the court. And I just feel like this UNC team, to what Ross has been saying, needs to try to generate some easier baskets than doing everything in the half court. I mean, it's wild to, to see, you know, the team giving up this many fast. What was it? Was it at Duke where they were outscored 20 to 2 in fast break points? And yeah. it's just crazy to think about that as end to end as those Carolina Duke games usually are. It's usually just, you know, those things, use the tempo usually gets ramped up. Um, but, you know, I'm not trying to hate on Jalen Washington because I think they need to use him more. I just think that situationally, if you're trying to do some things like press a little bit, he might be a bit of a liability. But um, Puff Johnson, Dontress Styles, where have you gone? I guess he never mm-hmm. – I guess he never was here. But uh, – Yeah. I, mean, I asked I asked uh, Hubert about Dontrez uh, multiple weeks ago, maybe even a month, two months ago, because people kept asking, telling me to ask him – on Twitter, I was like, all right, I'm, yeah, I, I, I just said, I, I was like, all right, I'm going to ask this question. And then I'm, I was not going to answer it again because he's just not playing. Um, and he, I mean, it's just, there's no reason to worry about Dontre Styles because he's not going to play. So all those fans who want him, look, I, I think he, you know, he's big, he's athletic. You know, you think he could be a player, but I, I agree with the fans. But I, there's no sense worrying about him getting playing time because he's not. I mean, he didn't play against Wake he, in blowouts. Sometimes he doesn't play. Well, there haven't been any blowouts. But, I mean, Justin McCoy's played ahead of him. McCoy's awful. Um, all due respect. Um, He's been listening to me too much. So there's no need to – we can worry about Dontre Styles. I mean, if he transferred, I, I would – I don't want to transfer, but I would um, not blame him. Because you, you only get four years eligibility. Go ahead, John. One more point, too, to close out the, the bench portion of the program. There are minutes available. We've harped on this all season long. UNC uses its bench at one of the lowest rates. A different way to quantify that, I looked this up on Evan Maya's database. 
Baycott, Black, Nance, Love, RJ, UNC's core lineup. They've played the most offensive possessions in the ACC, and they have the seven mo- seventh most offensive possessions in the country of any mm-hmm. lineup. So this is a lineup that is playing way, way more than all the other five-man lineups in the country. There's plenty of room for experimentation. There are 300-and-something teams in Division One, infinite permutations of lineups, and UNC is seventh with this core five that they've been running out there. And again, we, we know that it's not the same as last year's IN5 lineup. This team doesn't have that lineup in it, so why not experiment a little bit more? I, I think the thing about... And they're ninth in the ACC standings. I think what's interesting, yeah, there's there, there's a lot of meat on that bone to get in on that discussion. Um, I think what's interesting, the, the discussion about, Adam, you mentioned Jalen Washington is not very fast. Well, Carolina doesn't play fast, right? Yeah. It, it's not like Carolina's sprinting up down the court. Uh, and Washington's like that baby giraffe trying to figure out those long legs. And I think once he does, he's going to be really good. I think for – for future's sake, they need to find out what he can handle now. Uh, you know, seven games left, potentially eight, you know, if you count one ACC game and one in some postseason tournament, whether it's the NCAA or the CBI or whatever. So you got nine guaranteed games left. And then you would assume that next year's roster is going to look completely different. And if anything is shown with this bunch, and off-season does not make everybody better. How many? And that's the discussion somebody came at me with, is how many players on this team – and we can let's talk about it just briefly. I don't like looking back too far. How many players on this team – Adam Smith, I'll call you on the podium first. How many players on this team right here got better than they were last season? I'm going to take a Hubert pregnant pause. Um, I mean, realistically, how many got better? RJ Davis has been, when RJ Davis has been healthy, um, you know, he had a stretch where he was playing the, the, the best basketball of his career by the numbers going into that Syracuse game. He had like a nine or 10 game stretch. Once that, you know, he dislocated his finger. I'm, I don't mean to laugh about it. He dislocated his finger in the preseason. And he did not shoot well coming out of the gate first eight or nine games of the season. And then he hit that stretch where he was, you know, averaging more points, more rebounds. You know, Ross Rose threw about him, you know, rebounding, tough little nut rebounding. Um, you know, better shooting percentages than he had his entire career. Other than that, you know, Armando's, Armando's, Armando's been a little bit better maybe. He's scoring – his scoring is slightly better than it was last year, but his rebounding has dipped. His re, he had, his rebounding numbers last year were historic. He averaged 13 rebounds a game. Um, so he's like two rebounds below that in terms of an average. Um, I I would say Armando has stayed the same. Um, you know, I don't think Caleb has progressed, uh, even though his scoring numbers are up. You know, his shooting is not that great. Um I don't know. That's a that's a that's a hard one to answer, Tommy. That's a... and that's the question that nobody's asked all year. And I'm not talking about asking in a press conference, but I'm saying people watching this team play is that they are virtually the same as they were last year. And, and the off season, and you guys have talked to former players, and you guys have talked to people enough to know that the off seasons where you get better. And this team 
did not do it. And then you throw in the fact that they don't play consistently hard um, all the time. So people are saying DeMarco Dunn's gotten better. I will give you that DeMarco Dunn's gotten better. And quite frankly, watching him um, down in Fayetteville, his senior in high school, play against local teams, I didn't know – he was really good there. I didn't know how good he'd be at Carolina. But he has clearly gotten better, um, and he has done well to improve. But when we're sitting here trying to figure out who's incrementally better than they were last year in a national championship run, that's what Joel Berry talked about on Inside Carolina Live. That's what Justin Jackson talked about on the post game the other night is they had a taste and they didn't get any better. And now here we are in 2023. That's my soapbox for the whole entire season, to be honest with you guys. John, you got anything else? Well, I was going to make uh, one more point about uh, the offense, uh, and it's specifically about the offense this 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 month. Um, so I was looking at some of the, the shot chart data. UNC has taken 61 above the break threes, and they have taken 49 shots at the rim within 4.5 feet of the rim this month in February in three games. So I think that kind of builds on your point, Tommy, there that it's not just that players haven't gotten better, but they also haven't been leaning into their strengths because those shots that are taking above the break threes, they're not good shots. That's not a, they shot for the record there. They shot 19.7% on those above the break threes. So I think that's another piece of it. It's not just that they didn't get better, but it's not that they haven't leaned into their strengths offensively as well. I, I think that's a, part of the story, especially maybe with someone like Caleb, we, we've talked about his shot selection all season, but that's kind of the point there. Let me throw this up. Albert Tucci says, how do guys improve drastically after their freshman and sophomore, to sophomore years? Dean Smith, always, Dean Smith always talked about how that is where college players, his players improve the most because you come in the freshman year and you don't know what the heck is going on. He's saying you, after, Tommy. He's saying after the freshman to sophomore jump. Oh, gotcha. Well, reading comprehension's never been strong. It's okay. You can um, just use one word. So, so let's say my point earlier is they tasted the championship, right? They were up 15 at half in New Orleans with a national championship right there for the taking. And what happened between now and then that they didn't get decidedly better? That, that is the $64,000 question here, I think. Adam – Give us some of your final thoughts. Carolina Clemson, I guess, 2 o'clock on Saturday before the Miami game on 7 o'clock on Monday, I think that's right. Big Monday, right? Yeah. I think big, it's the o'clock. old Big Monday, the old uh, NCAA tournament prep weekend for North Carolina. One quick thing, and I just was going to – I would thought about this as you guys were talking, but yeah, and I can give you some Clemson. I mean, Clemson is going to be a problem. You know, the computers don't like them, but they are good. Hunter Tyson is good. P.J. Hall is good. Um, his name is Chase Hunter, I think, the the guard. He is good. Um, they, you've only got one leaky black, and the reason he's out there is to defend. I don't know who – I guess you put him on Hunter Tyson. That guy's having like an all-ACC season, um, you know. But anyway, you know, I, I was thinking back as you guys were talking, and when we were in the postgame at Wake, uh, Pat Welter from WRAL asked Hubert, uh, does it seem like your guys aren't having fun out there playing? Does it seem like a chore or why does it seem that way? And Hubert said, you know, I've had a couple of people or a number of people say that to me. Uh, 
like, what do you think that, I mean, I, what is that? What do you think that is? Because people are pointing it out to Hubert. You know what I'm saying? Ross, you say it's a game and you, you don't understand it. And I, I, I don't disagree with you there. Um, but yeah, close us out your thoughts. Cause they, they, I saw a social media post where Caleb and RJ together today saying for real, for real, um, laughing at all the nonsense that people have been talking or whatever, but it, will we see a decidedly different group Saturday, Ross? I think they'll come out with more energy and competitiveness. I think we'll see that. I think um, this was, this was pretty, they made a pretty big deal about what happened after the game and in the locker room against Wake Forest to come out and lay an egg. They're at home. Um, I think there'll be a – you'll see a little bit more pep in their step at the, at the beginning of the game. And sometimes that's all you need. You know, you, they've got the talent. You know, you need a little more competitiveness, the extra rebound, the loose ball, make a couple shots at home. So I, I would pick UNC against Clemson. I'm not sure what the spread will be. Um, but, man, we, we if they win both these, we're having a completely different conversation next Thursday, right? You know, if, yep. if, they, go, if they go 2-0, you know, things are looking up. This is a very dark podcast. This is the darkest <laughs> podcast I've ever done. Um, <laughs> there's been not much positivity. I thought but, it was uh, funny. I, I thought it was. I thought we've done. I a don't good know if job. it was. No, dark, I, mean, I think it's been. I think it's been. It's been great. What did you say, Adam? I said the, after Notre Dame steamrolled Carolina in football, I thought that was pretty dark. You know. Yeah, yeah. We have three hundred with them three and one or whatever they were. We have three hundred twenty-one people watching. Um, but man, if they they if they lose both, which is possible, are you predicting like, a win over Clemson? I'm predicting You're a win over Clemson. Mm-hmm. I okay. think so, dude. This team's. I mean, this team has shown to be pretty good at times. Um, I mean, they killed NC State, you know, without Bates. Oh, it's the oh when I quit yelling at you, it's because I don't think you got anything left. And this team has got a lot of people yelling. Uh, yeah, and I, I think the Miami game will be tough. Does Miami play? Do they have the weekend off? No, I don't, I don't think they so. don't. Okay, that'll be tough, tough turnaround. But they have it home again, so it does set, set up well. But those are two tough teams. But hey, if they're two and zero coming out of that game, this thing's turned around a little bit. Um, they kind of get back on track for a tough one at State. But man, yeah, it is. There is not much margin of error. I think, as, as Greg said in his column today. Um, but look, it could go opposite. I mean, it could be. They could kind of. Dialing in, or what do you call it? Well, not dialing in, but uh, lock in, mail it in from here, and kind of you know, dog days of, of practice. They've had so many practice. I mean, you could it could go one of two ways, as Pete Nance told me and Josh Graham as we as we interviewed Nance. This one guy we have not mentioned um, that much. This game is is old Pete Nance. But, Somebody uh, said start puff at the four. I mean, it's not going to happen. Hubert <laughs> is not going to. Bring a guy in from the transfer portal. I'm not disagreeing with the the notion, whoever said it. Might have been Slagle. I can't remember. Slagle's had some good ones. My guy Duff Wedge has been all over it. Garrett Chapman. Is that uh, his given name, Duff Wedge? Yeah, I, think it's, name? I don't know. We'd have to I've, look. I've, look I've, I've, I've had so many. You probably could call oh, me that. Albert's been hitting it. I mean, there's, you know, Catherine. I'm just scrolling. I mean, there, there's been some good stuff. But uh, Miami plays Louisville Saturday night. Uh, okay, so they're going to win that Coral game. Game. So a virtual buy on Saturday night. Right, they're going to win that. Clemson, <laughs> by the way, has has a buy. They haven't played since last Saturday. They'll be fully okay. rested coming into Chapel Hill. Uh, um, okay. But Hubert's not going to bench Pete Dance because it's his fifth year of college basketball. It's a grad transfer. I mean, he's not. He's just not going to do it. You know, he, maybe he will, he, but I don't think he will. Uh, he he's just not going to do it. 
Man, if he, it's, we're just, the team is missing Brady so bad. I watched highlights of Brady today. Oh, they got, you know, they, they, I follow the Perth Wildcats, and dude, he just bangs threes, man. He has such a he high quick release. He is so good. He, he hits transition threes, corner threes. He was, he is so good at hitting threes. And dude, things are so much different when you have a guy who can just nail threes like that. Great passer. Too. His passing was underrated. Great passer. Great moving without the ball. Uh, he was great feeding Armando. They played well together. John, stat of the week. We we need we we need a a, a vibe raiser here at the end of the show because you're right, Ross. It was it was a tough show. I was hard on everyone, so I will pick this instead of a stat. I want everyone to go around. What is your cookout order? Uh, Adam, you go first. What's your cookout I'm, tray? I, 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 skip me. I'm typing a message in our private okay. chat. Ross, what's your cookout tray order? Oh, I go. Good question. I go. Um, I go burger cheddar style. I think with the onions and cheddar, and I go two corn dogs and a, a big sweet tea or a or a milkshake. I go Oreo, usually Oreo milkshake. I haven't been to the new cookout in um in Chapel Hill though. Tommy, what's your great. order? I'm trying to keep the the. Uh... The figure well, but I go uh, Cajun Cajun chicken sandwich tray with uh, double bacon ranch wraps and probably a, a sweet tea and, and then a, a shake on the side too. So, so the bacon wraps are sides too? Yeah, you can get the bacon wraps as sides and I love them because I love some bacon now. And they, they don't give you enough onion rings. That's the only beef I have with cookout, you know, and the little cheese bites are – you know they're not good for the old old man bowels. Thank you, job, job. thank you, Duff Wedge. Uh, Adam, what's your cookout tray? I love Duff Wedge. I like to go cookout style on the burgers or the hot dogs. Uh, yeah, I mean I'm I I, I keep it kind of country with it, and uh, I like to get uh, I, I mix it up, but I like to get a um, like an Oreo, like a cookies and cream shake. Uh, sort of you get all that chili everything in you, and then you sort of wash it down with the cold, the nice, refreshing uh, shake. It's definitely not healthy, but. Um, it is It's still, even though it's gotten more expensive, I don't know what the Chapel Hill one is expense-wise, but it used to be, you get all that for like five bucks. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, they had that, if they had that in college, I'd wait, I'd be the 400-pound dude. In this we need an NIL deal with cookout now. <laughs> By the way, my. Good... Go ahead, John. I was going to say my order, four quesadillas. Two quesadillas, beef, and then two more quesadillas on the side. Damn, that is it. What do you get? Like a, a pomegranate sweet tea or some mess like that? Too? <laughs> probably, I'd probably get a cookie, uh, cookie and cream shake as well and wash it down. So I'll tell you one thing, John. John does not cook. I lived with him for six months, and he never once cooked. Went out to lunch well, you have to remember, meal. it's just it's just me. So if I spend all this time cooking. At the end of the day, it's just cooking for me. It takes too long. So. You eat leftovers. You cook one thing. I'm making pasoli tomorrow. Make pasoli, eat it for one week, whole week, every meal. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Tommy, you got to get us out of here before. Another interesting thing, I'll say this. Another interesting thing is we're all from kind of a, a, a different stretch of I-40 I just thought about. We got – I'm from Greensboro, uh, the, the most west of us, North Carolina. We talk cookout in North Carolina. Then we have Adam, the next county over in Mebbin. Speed trap, heaven. And then we have producer John from Orange County in Chapel Hill. And then a couple counties over, we have Tommy from uh, Johnson County. You, you live in Smith? Where do you live, Smith? Stay in Clayton. Live in Clayton. Clayton. Grew up in Smithfield. 
Um, Stay in Clayton. That's a... <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love moved it. out of the big city and, and moved up to uh, a Raleigh suburb that's soon to be. But that's yeah, home country, isn't it, Tommy? There's plenty of them down here. Um, you know, if you, you like red yourself... hot dogs, you can find the plenty. You can see yourself <laughs> Eastern North Carolina, Tommy, or not? If I'm, if somebody asks me where I'm from, I say, you know, about 20 miles southeast of Raleigh. You I don't go. Say, you, you don't. You don't consider yourself Eastern North Carolina. Mm, not really. I mean, mm-hmm. the way Johnston County's set up, you get east of Smithfield, you're eastern North Carolina for sure. I mean, you can get lost in some areas down there. But uh, yeah, I would say it's more Raleigh way these days. So I always say 20 miles east, southeast of Raleigh. Are we done? This is a great. Uh, Jeff Cooney. I, Adam, I'm reading your. Uh, your your private chat and i agree with you 100 percent. i'm not going to say it on air but that is exactly what i thought when Come it on. came out and when it when it came out this has been inside carolina on the beat we could have fun and we could have a great show and not even talk about carolina basketball or football on this show and that would be the best part um send us a shout out on twitter on the message boards whatever you want to do appreciate everybody joining 300 plus people in here again tonight it's rocking man it's always rocking. No matter what's going on on the court or on the field, on the beats, the place to be on Thursday nights, 9 o'clock. That's Adam, Ross, John. I'm Tommy. We'll see you next week. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, shit. what'd it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.